Yo, yo, I go by the name of the almighty Soul Blaze, and y'all tuning in to Crush A Lot Podcast, word, uh, welcome to the Crush A Lot Show, where we celebrate and educate our hip-hop, all about flow, but on the culture and the things that we know, war raps, throw beats on the forefront, that's bound to just blow, your mind into the breeze, one-on-one, sending to cheese, the hip-hop scholar dropping knowledge like it's degrees, voice heard across seas when they building on facts, Wise words from Sir Love, they bring it on back Everything is on wax for the hip-hop leaders Crush a lot, the first lady introducing Kalina Break down your favorite bangers, only dope permitted Represent the five boroughs where the dope is living Only the real we give it, everything else is irrelevant Crush a lot with hip-hop, live like a settlement Take it like an ailment, it's food for the soul Crush a lot, you're tuning in, now you're all in the zone World Welcome back, Crush A Lot Podcast. I'm your boy Cheese. I'm excited about this one because one, we're talking about grave diggers, and everyone knows I love grave diggers. And two, we have one of our Crushy Award winners for Album of the Year of the Career Crooks uh, album, Zillarakas, on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, as always, my right hand man is here um, in the pure, sure. in the purity sweater, Sir Loveday. <laughs> Sir, Sir Loveday, how are you? I'm all right. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to survive because there's nothing worse than dying in the middle of a grave diggers episode. Oh no! Uh, the real question <laughs> is: uh, Do maggots get drunk if they bury bury <laughs> I'm still waiting. <laughs> I'm still waiting to know that one. Um, that's and that's important. Zillaraka. All the way What's from up, man? Philly, how are you? Gentlemen, thank you for having me again. Man, we, I'm, we're super excited to have you on the show. One, as someone who follows you on social media, we have a lot mm-hmm. of respect for what you bring to the game, not only as an artist sure. and a producer and and a mixer and a masterer and all that stuff, but also just your opinion yes. in general, thank hip-hop you. as someone who is a student, not only mm-hmm. of mainstream, underground, super underground, um, every layer of hip-hop, your opinions mm-hmm. definitely have a lot of weight. Thanks, so, man. Um, you know, thank you for your time. Anytime, fellas. Saying that, sure. we're really going to focus on the Grave Diggers. This is part one. Part two yes. will be in the next week with uh, Chris Plates and Will Go off the Hip Hop Review uh, podcast. Yes. So mm-hmm. stay tuned for that. Um, but right now, it's all about the Grave Diggers. I'm going to toss yeah. it to you, Zilla, because you're a historian of this. So what's mm. the breakdown with Gravedigger? Who are the Gravediggers? What? Why should we be even talking about such a group? <laughs> the Gravediggers, all right, there's a lot we can go with this. I've been thinking about this all day. <laughs> Gravediggers existed in this incredible time in the early to mid-90s when so you could have like three or four dudes you don't really know a lot about, but their name is the Gravediggers. Their album covers black and white with a dude holding a knife up to his eyeball. Uh-huh. And the album's called Six Feet Deep, and the songs are called like One Eight Hundred Suicide and Diary of a Madman and Two Cups of Blood, and you can really scare a lot of people into paying attention. Like the fervor and the fear and the imagery, everything about this group when they, they did like quote unquote horror core, it was a, a, a masterstroke in marketing. So having Prince Paul from De La and RZA from Wu-Tang right before they picked up, and then Fuquan from Stetsasonic, and then Two Poetic, who was down on Tommy Boy for a little bit. like having It didn't matter who was in this group in the sense of how they were 
how they were marketed and promoted where it was like white kids that were skateboarders loved grave diggers next to <laughs> classic hip hop heads next to Wu Tang fans. Like they were the perfect weapon to have this amalgamation of like gritty stuff and then like uplifting stuff and then horror, scary stuff. It was like, you couldn't really replicate that or plan it. It was, it was one of the things you could, if you set out to do that, it would fail. So the fact that it worked so well with the first album, and we'll talk about the second album, which I have severe issues with, but overall great. Like if you say to the people and people that know what that is, they love it. And it's like a, it's like a code word between people because not everybody knows what grave diggers are, but it means a lot to people. Even the grave digger album, just getting it out, took some yeah. revision because it wasn't mm-hmm. even the original name of the album right um if you want the european version you could do some investigative <laughs> reporting i i am not the correct i am not the correct there's only one person in this room say that, who can say that um and right. that is sir love day uh, Me? Well, so, you guys have to pass for now okay so, so look it up I, i'm good and check it mm-hmm. out um I did. I, I sir love day. You know, I I, I got my I got my pass on things. Uh, I did. Yeah. I, I did say it on the last one though. On, on the one. With oh the yeah, that's true. And they were like, "Oh my goodness!" I'm like, "Don't be scared. I got, I got this. I'll take the L." Um, they were also in a time where they felt jaded in the music industry. Tommy Boy was kind of not doing them right in their estimation. Mm-hmm. Maybe Tommy Boy figured they were reach. Their creative peaks. This is like right before Wu Tang blew up and De La Soul uh, mm-hmm. really peaked, sure. and they had all this energy of frustration and jadedness and just said, let's go for it. And mm-hmm. yeah. all this dark energy that came with it was out of like this not being in love with the music business and or, or and trying to prove that we're creative and we have right. ideas that mm-hmm. can sell and they might be. Uh, different than what you want to market, but we could do it. Mm-hmm. And it's a stark departure from uh, Stetosonic, um, which is like the first hip-hop boy band, the way they market mm-hmm. it. Uh, so you go right. from that extreme <laughs> to the other extreme. And then you have, uh, of course, you have the RZA at his utmost peak mm-hmm. interest from everybody who who's around at that time. Sir Love Day. I know that yeah. you are fond of Grave Diggers, Prince Paul, mm-hmm. early RZA work, especially those first five years. He was mm-hmm. on board. What was your thoughts when Grave Digger hit and you started consuming that? Because you were young around that time. You were like in your teens. It, it mm-hmm. was, I would imagine it would have been like, what are these things going on? <laughs> it was perfection, as Zilla mentioned earlier. Um, the thing that we have to look at when you're going back in time like that is not just the climate as far as overall hip-hop, but also your climate and what you're dealing with Mm. and where you are in your life. Um, So as a teenager, right in the midst of the earliest, angstiest parts of teenager (laughs) life, um, you know, right when you're first starting to feel like, screw everyone, screw my parents, and right when a lot of hip-hop was starting to, to balance between this is terrible, this is not okay, and this is unaccepted, you know, by your parents, I should say. Um, and between, oh, this is cool. I like that. That's nice. That's got a nice message. And here was that rebellious hip-hop that your parents did not want to hear you play. 
that none of your parents were okay with the titles alone um the 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 beats alone just the sound of it was too gloomy too dark too scary for a lot of households at that time Uh, so for me it was very much this shock and this uh amazing moment but it was perfect for me because i was also you know living in brownsville and seeing friends and neighbors die and seeing people get arrested and go away and seeing people who were cool the other day now they want to shoot each other the next day so it was the perfect sort of rebellion music for someone who was just starting to realize how much he hated the negativity that brews in the hood and wanted to get a little bit away from that and even though this is dark that darkness was still an escape from the reality Mm -hmm of what was going on in a, a truly dark neighborhood. Like this is over the top dark. This is fairy tale dark. So it's okay. It's a little bit easier to digest than seeing your boy with four in his chest. That's a little bit harder to digest. Um, so it was, it was a perfect timing, you know, to catch it. Um, and it definitely, you know, spun my head a little bit. And I was very much like, what is this? What is he saying? He can't say that on a record. Oh my gosh. What? He's not arrested. So I guess, guess he can say that on a record. This is, this is unfair. Did he just he just compare himself to Jesus? All right, I, I'm going to get killed if my parents hear this. <laughs> and it was amazing for me like that, you know. Um, and then just speaking to how it came about, the beautiful thing about it is it was, like you mentioned, it was this rebellion moment for them too. You know, Prince Paul was tired of being stepped on. Prince Paul had just had a great run. And then he dropped like two projects and people were like, you trash, son. You washed up. It's over for you. You had those few good projects. It's done. You know what I mean? And, and big cats, too. Like, it wasn't just like the regular hood. Kids. It was like Russell Simmons is going, you trash, fam. You washed up. And Paul had to be like, nah, I'm not taking it. Y'all going to learn today. Uh, that was, that's a, a, a great, you know, synergy to know that the same feelings they're picking up was the same feelings he was putting out. For sure. Um, Gravedigger was was the most confusing record I've ever heard <laughs> when I was 13, 14 years old. I'm dating mm. myself. Um, <laughs> and, um, and it took me years, years, late 20s to mm. really understand every mm. single facet of what they were talking to because I wasn't involved in a lot of the things that they were referencing to. Um, it just was a lot, you know. I grew up Hispanic Pentecostal church, so a lot of the stuff mm. they were talking about when it comes to religion was very mm. like, "You don't talk about that in my house. You don't acknowledge mm. it. You don't is you don't say the word Holy Ghost or Holy Spooks. You don't say these things in my mm. house." So those things were like, "I'm going to hell." Like, <laughs> like that. Was, I'm, I should not be. But the Riz is on it, so I'm going to listen to it. And he used the Wu-Tang sample on, on one of the songs. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to listen because that RZA, everyone who knows, RZA's my number one dude ever. And so I needed to listen, and I was okay with going to hell. <laughs> of course, I didn't say that to my parents, uh, to my mom particularly. Right. Uh, but so that album left an impression as I got older, and, and I really started understanding a lot more of the facets of it. It was a whimsical journey through how to talk about things tongue-in-cheek with a lot of sophistication and outright fearsome. fearsome. Like, it was really was ballsy 
at that time to release an album like that. And I can't really think of a group right now that does anything. Maybe Death Grip <laughs> might, maybe, maybe not Lyrical Contact, but they're pretty out there. Um, mm-hmm. Flatliners at that time, but they they didn't oh, really... Yeah, but they were they a were, copy of a copy of copy. So <laughs> it was an interesting time. And the Gravediggers are not talked about enough Especially Prince Paul, because I that you could argue that's Prince Paul's best work conceptually, like from beginning mm-hmm. to end. But what we're gonna do really now is now that the audience saw us a man orgasm all over the great biggest name. <laughs> um, don't close your eyes on that one, folks. Just enjoy it. Um, <laughs> we're do, we're doing a we're gonna do our top three. Gravediggers, thank you for checking out the show. SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, I said that, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Spotify by the end of, hopefully by the time this episode drops. Um, and then the next episode will be, we're going back to the Gravediggers with Will Gill and Chris Plates and really looking and examining at Gravediggers from a different generation of hip-hop listeners. So stay tuned for that one. It's an interesting conversation. But this is our top three gravediggers. Um, I'm sure they mostly will be from the Six Deep. Six Feet Deep. <laughs> I might be, you might <laughs> oh, be surprised. Man. So I'm going to go right into Zilla Rocka, the, uh-huh. one of the, the best that's doing it right now. Um, definitely check out Career Crooks. As man. anybody knows, that was my album of the year, along with Odyssey, but definitely that one. Uh, really, really, really hit something with me. The the follow up, uh, I want to say, what's the name? Among Thieves? Thieving right? as long as I'm breathing. There you go. That's a, it's a remix album. It's a remix, yeah, it's a remix album. album. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely worth checking out. And check out our playlist because I have them there with one of the like, noir love song right at the end, saving it for everybody who, who sticks yeah, it man. through. You should definitely check it out. And new project coming out November 9th. We'll talk about it right at the end of the show. Well, so people can hit those streaming, though you should buy physical for he could get a bigger percentage. We'll talk about it. Damn straight. <laughs> uh, Zillow Rocker, uh, let's go uh-huh. top three. What's your number three? Grave Digger. <sighs> number three is Dangerous Minds. Mm. Off of the pick, the sickle, and the shovel. I was listening on my way home before I called you guys. Mm-hmm. And it's it has no reason to ever have a video or be a lead single off an album because there's no drums. It's the basis for basically every copy of the last six years. Um, and it's three dudes doing like 94 bars each with no hook. Mm-hmm. And I remember when it dropped, I was like, it was so different from the first album it's very wooish and the video rizza had like the gold like bladed fingertip whatever and the, so the visual to me is like very locked in when i when i hear that song but it's really like the only song i remember off top from the second album which whew, the second album is just a mess it's like talk your shit I, I listened to it again today just to reaffirm it. it. I remember I bought it on cassette. It is not a good cassette album because there's a lot of fast forward and on that joint. Yes. And the, the second album, the first album is all about mischief and having fun with like crazy visuals and ideas. The second one is like, woo, serious, go to school, read a book. Mm-hmm. There's no fun. 
There's not a lot of banging beats. It's like ve- it's like basically like heavy mental two, and also like a like a woo affiliate spinoff record. Like there's no personality to it compared to the first one, and that's because mm-hmm. like Prince Paul's not involved. But Dangerous Minds is like a great woo song. It just happens to be by the Grave Diggers. So that's the only thing I love from that that second album dangerous minds with a z not the soundtrack for that's michelle like, pfeiffer yeah. i'm sure that's like the opening track too yeah <laughs> so that's you it. don't have to go too far into the album to hear that one so definitely check that's it out it. that's a great pick so love day uh yes. purity himself what do you have number three <laughs> so for me well, I... if we're talking about the pick the sickle the shovel that's like the whole cover is white very different from yes. Dip. so yes. like, that is like the purity album mm, yes. and it yeah, well, not, I'm not going to tarnish the name, but Sir Love Day, go for it, number three. Uh, for me, I started compiling my list and then found myself getting overly intellectual about it. I started, like, dissecting, oh, well, this bar, yeah, well, this verse is a better verse than that verse. This one has three good verses. That one has two good verses. And I decided I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go through and listen to the whole thing, ride to the train, ride on, on to the train, to the bus, to work during work coming home what sticks out and what do i remember and of course the nostalgic feelings pumped in and the song that i knew i couldn't leave off was 1-800 suicide mm-hmm. a little easy but it's just true to how it felt for me you know um it was one of those records because i'm again always one of the lovers and and students of MC skills. I love to see guys take subjects and take content and flip it and get into the real technical sides of what they're doing and just pursue it from a different angle instead of just the same thing they've been on. Uh, so for me, that was a huge moment. I enjoyed the heck out of it. Of course, it's crammed into an amazing album, but something about uh, the way that they were flipping all of the stories and then as a kid, not immediately getting everything but having those aha moments as you listen to it again and again and again, that really made it stick out to me as one of those tracks that I really enjoyed and played a lot. So for me, number three, 1-800-Suicide. Of course, you have that KRS uh, scratch sample in there. Of as course. Well, that, that definitely helps when we love KRS-1 KRS so much. Yeah. I'm going to go to my number three. Um, it's actually not on the Six Feet Deep or the pick of the... It's not on the second one, and it's not on any of the other ones that come... After that, <laughs> ignore those. Don't don't look into that one. Uh, those, those, those are bad. Um, it's actually an unreleased song, but I'm pretty sure it's on the vinyl version of the European Six Feet Deep, uh, unofficially. Uh, and that's uh, Freak the Sorceress. Uh, Freak the Sorceress. Freak the Sorceress. I know. I had wow. to go. I love Freak the Sorceress. Uh, um, forever. Freak the Sorceress <laughs> is uh, is like an, it's a fun. It's one of the songs I wish was on Six Feet Deep because it was a very, very playful, still within the Gravedigger lore and content of Six Feet Deep mm-hmm. when this was recorded. But it's a it's 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 a horn saturated, heavy bass line, a groovy track that d- definitely reminds me of something you would find on a De La Soul album. Um, but it was just a fun track of freaking the sorcerers of. Going after girls and um, and chasing women and 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 being and being very playful. Maybe maybe it doesn't fit in the landscape of the current climate we're in right now, um, but it was just guys and girls 
talk with the with the horns and a groovy bassline that just so infectious and so fun to listen to and I always felt like it should have been on the album. I thought it would have been mm. a good comp especially on the second um B side um where maybe you could argue that the B side towards the end could be a little gets a little stagnant if you're a first time listener. I can hear that argument. I think that song mm. right there towards the end would have been a nice change of pace from uh, Bang Your Head and uh, uh you know, all those songs wow. that come in between there. Um, I mm. thought it would have been a great track. So if you want to listen to it, you're not going to find it on the album. I did try to find it on iTunes and all wow. that stuff. You can't. You could, mm. you could find it on YouTube and you know how to get it from there. That's what I have to say. So mm. Freak the Sorceress, <laughs> my number three, a hidden treasure from Gravediggers. Definitely check that out, especially if you like the Six Feet Deep album. I think uh, mm. people will like it. Uh, Zilla Rocker, mm. number two. Um He's, Real quick, he's, uh, he's going, people people can't see it, but I got the 100 Suicide 12 inch single <laughs> with mom, mommy. What's a grave digger? He's on the B side. Just, just pull that right out. Uh, pull out the resume. I'm good. I had, with that. I had to do that one. Yeah, that's what my my collection between Freddie Gibbs and Aaron Hall. There you go. <laughs> Seems about right. Alphabetically. Um, yeah, <laughs> top three. So I had to go, uh, probably tripping off six mm. feet deep because that song, like, really, I was probably like 12 or 13 when I first heard this album. And this album was in that time frame where, like, if you were a kid, you found out about like crazy ass rap through like your friends' brothers, mm-hmm. like older brothers, because I didn't have any brothers or sisters, but my friend's brother, we'd be in his room. And I found out like about Two Live Crew and Easy E and Grave Diggers. So when you hear Quite these songs when you're 12, oh yeah, when you hear these songs at 12, like you really think all oh, this, this this is real. So I remember hearing like Rizzo, like how many bites did it take to chew your arm off? I was like, he chewed his arm off. Oh my god! Like what is wrong with these people? So and like the, you know seeing the fangs with the Rizzo fangs, like again, like our it, we were so limited with media, like. You just went by the insert and the cover, so and like the ads in a magazine and the video. So when I when I heard tripping, like that was the first time being like, I don't want to do drugs because of this song. Like this sounds horrifying. You don't want talking about like an old crackhead. No, I don't want to scheme on a BJ from a crackhead. I don't want (laughs) dudes in all alleyways like that. Creep me out. And so that song always stuck with me as like an anti-drug song, even though that was not the point of the song. But that that scared me to be like, I never want to be on PCP or Huff Glue or anything ever to experience what happens to people on this song. And it's like, that's like a great deterrent song because they weren't like, yo, drugs are bad. Don't do drugs. They were like, yo, I'm doing it. Here's how it goes. So I was like, I, I will pass. I do not ever want to do this, please. So tripping is and that that always stuck with me for that specifically because it was horrifying visually as a kid to listen to. They went, they they truly <laughs> did commit to the song, didn't they? I had a feeling they, they, they had participated in such things while they were doing those verses. Um, and, and real quick, from from an engineering and audio and mastering sound, the 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 DJ cuts on that. And that's all analog, but the that's, the way that sounds, I always wanted cut like that where they go into the verses it's like mm-hmm. but the, but the, boom, boom. 
But, 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 like, that, the way that sounds, I'm like, man, like, that is, like, the perfectly mixed cuts. Like, I love just listening to that. It's like an audio nice. file. I don't know how or why. But on that one, like, they're, they're panned a certain way. Like, I just I just love listening like, the little parts of that record, too. The brilliance so, yeah, of true. the engineering of that song is. And the way to have the album, you could tell Prince Paul was really... Rich. Six Feet Deep uh, versus Pick the Sickle. Pick the Sickle, not mix and mastered well at all. Mm-hmm. There Much bigger a, budget? Fair. No. And the not fact that they well. got Prince Paul on the cover was very insulting. Nah, Wu-Tang, exactly. Wu-Tang has a history of that. I'm looking at you, Ghostface <sighs> Killer Lost Tape. I have a feeling those mm. tapes were not lost. Um, mm. <laughs> they were quite new. Uh, but shout out to Vic mm-hmm. Spencer, who was on the episode. Uh, my man, that's my this. man, Vic. I got a song with him coming out oh, next year. He's, he's, he's amazing. Sir Love Day, number two. Yes, indeed. Strong. What do you got? Uh, so this is, was my chance to kind of show the other side of what I love, particularly in hip-hop. We talk about it a lot, um, but the production. Um, I had to try and focus on a record. The reason why this record became one is because I realized that I spent so much time, even as a lyrics head, I spent so much time just listening to the production and just learning the patterns and learning when the switches and learning when it goes to this sound and when it goes back to that sound and just being, you know, marveled at how it was put together. Uh, so the song I'm talking about is Here Comes the Grave Diggers. Um, that was a, a super record for me. That beat just trapped me and held me. And I, I pulled it back a bunch of times. Just like this, this I've got to understand how this was produced. I've got to get inside of the mind of whoever made this. Um, and it was a great, great, great moment to really listen to it. Um, it's a part of, you know, my sample junkie life was hearing songs like those and going, what was that sound? What was that sound? I'm doubting he played that instrument. So who played that instrument? Who sang that part? Where did that come from? Um, there's a lot of that all over this album. I just love the, the oddity of the sounds and the, the timing of it. Uh, in this case, this was definitely one of my favorites. A real banger is one of those you really nod your head to, you know, and, and play the drums out on your hands, you know, hands and feet. And they're stomping and clapping along to the beat. It's so high up there for me. I listen to it so much. Anytime I listen to Grave Diggers, that's got to play. Um, so definitely deserves to be my number two. Uh, great pick. I'm going to go right into my number two. Um, one of the things that's great about that album are all the little interludes and transition. It does make a, a very seamless listening experience, even to the first time you, the first time you listen to the album and you get the boom, 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 and mm-hmm. it's 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 just the ma- manipulation of the voices and it, it's just great stuff. Um, I'm gonna go in my number two. Um, I'm gonna have to go with the the first time I heard Grave Diggers, and uh, for me, one of the most visually visceral. Versus ever opening verse that really, in my opinion, really showcases what this gravedigger is about. And it's for me, I could quote that line, this verse, and it's one of my favorite verses of all time. It's not even from a from a gravedigger member. It's like an Wu Tang affiliate. I'm talking about Scientific Shabazz, of course. Um, so I'm talking about mm-hmm. Diary of a Man Man. That opening verse by Scientific Shabazz is one of the greatest <laughs> opening verses, picture painting, menacing, uncomfortable, 
eerie, goosebump-inducing verses at my age that I've experienced. It was the, really the first time that music has really affected me in that way where I was uncomfortable. And I loved every moment of it. And I wanted to know more. Uh, brain dimples. He was using all types of visual vis visual imagery that really paints a picture of what's going on and it was not a subject matter that was necessarily easy to have bear witness as mm -hmm. i exercise my exorcism exorcism oh my Jesus. goodness and i'm like i'm not i can't play this out loud <laughs> uh, my no. brother's a pastor my mom's a minister i'm Wait, so what did, what did what did your family members think about nothing they like, never knew buck this buck is... buck i'll get that ass the holy spirit whatever i, they, I don't know Maybe that's why they pray a lot, but I, I kept that tape. I had the tape. Uh, very, very well hidden. Uh, surprisingly, the album they, they did find was Shy's album, the, the R&B group. And, they did, and, and the word sexual interlude was on it for one of the songs. Right. They had a song, and they took that away real quick. I'm like, out of all things, right, you can take that. Leave my gravedigger alone. Hilarious. I'm good. Um, but that song, obviously, is the mainstay of Gravediggers, like their lead their lead single for the album. Most oh, people yeah. will refer to that one as the gateway to the Gravediggers. The beat right. is menacing. Uh, collaboration between Rizzo and Prince Paul. You have like the, the eerie uh, gothic female background vocals with some eerie uh, drum patterns and scientific jabaz really for me was the anchor of that song. Surprising because you have Rizzo who followed up with one of the most uh, visually stunning Lyrics yep. he has ever produced, um, mm -hmm. as well in terms of storytelling and and just really going into idea because we all know Riz is great, but he's better when he's focused on a theme and not so unhinged. Right. Um, also, just a mini rant: it's not a Wu Tang song if Deck is not the lead guy. So please ignore whatever's on <laughs> the streams right now. I don't care if Billboard. <laughs> I don't care if it hit Billboard. It's not a Wu-Tang song until Deck is in the front. You should have been in the back. And get that Scotty Tuwadi out of the album. He should have been edited out. Just, okay, I'm done with that rap. Number two, nice. Diary of a Madman. Uh, fantastic stuff. Definitely everyone should check out the song. Um, and mm. great production all the way around. We're going to go right into our number one. Yeah. Zilla Rocker, hip-hop, uh, Scala. Uh, hip hop mm -hmm. uh, enthusiast, one of the best doing yep. it right now, and people should definitely check him out. We'll talk about that real quick. Uh, so what do you have? Your number one, because you're not just going to give anything. You're not going to placate. You're not just going to give something no. to give something. I so I know it's coming from like, no, nah, this is legit. Your jam, there your favorite one. I'm curious, what is your number one grave digger? I'm going to give you some suspense because while you were talking, I found this in my house. Shy. Oh, I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell, folks. Shy. Did a Great album. Classic. I keep, Definitely I keep forgetting I have these joints until you start mentioning <laughs> this stuff. Um, my number one is Nowhere to Run To, Baby. There's Nowhere to Hide. That, because that, that song, number one, is just crazy, but... It was the epitome of Wu back in the day using famous R&B joints and flipping them rather than like Puffy of like taking the whole R&B song, which mm -hmm. is fun. They would flip the R&B hook that you were familiar with, but do it their way to where you're like, 
Oh, I, like, why do I know that? There's no one to run to, baby. There's no one to hide. Like, they would always do that. Like, Jason did it all the time where, you know, like, bull. There's no, like, that's pure. No. That, that, that's ain't no mountain high enough. Like, that's them flipping that. Or, like, how on, um, on, uh, what's it called? Turn the beat around is, is, uh, Daytona 500. Mm-hmm. Turn the beat around. Oh, you MC start. Re-. Like, they would always reuse 70s, 60s R&B and disco. But they would like use them, not without an obvious direct line. So nowhere to run to, you know, is the flip of the um, Supreme joint, the Supremes, and then uh, it's just like another like ill like early album like high energy joint, and even it has like the the sample that Tribe used on um, People's Instinctive Travels, like for the interludes. Right. Ding, 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 ding. So like Prince Paul taking a really super famous sample. That was an interlude on a big record, and then making that the basis for like another smash song, um, and then like just RZA, you know, like raw energy RZA, you know. I can just picture him with the fangs, like just saying "No way!" <laughs> like him, just he used to call it like white boy energy. Like he used to be like that dude <laughs> yeah. that would get guys like me like very excited. So uh, and then like poetic and Fu Quan, like these dudes were just like so ill together. Like there was never a point where I could be like, nah, like he, he had the best verse or like, nah, this dude was the best. Like they all complimented each other and their voices were very specific. And that was like the underrated thing about them. Like they really were a trio. Like they were arranged that way vocally. Like they, they raised each other's games and they were all like in it. Like, yo, we're in it together. I want to get my props, but like, we got to shine and, uh, nowhere to run to, nowhere to hide. Like that's like a gym song also. Like I got to listen to that at the gym. <laughs> I need that yeah, one. That's sure. my number one. I gotta work on these abs. Let me get uh, some great diggers. Hell yeah! Me. Uh, Sir Love Day, <laughs> let's go right into your number one. That was a great number one. Do you share the same opinion? Do you have a different opinion, Sir Love Day, <laughs> Mister Purity himself? Uh, even though your is your contract with Brazer still uh, active, um, you're still, still active, still recording. I got from six the and a half down. months left. Six and a half yes. months. All right, make sure you get your test mm-hmm. every week, buddy. Uh, what do, do you have, number one? Uh, so for me. It's not a whole lot left to say, considering that it's already been spoken of. Um, but I'll just say that for me, it's the record that comes to mind when I think Gravediggers. There's nothing else that comes up first. It's the beat that comes to head first. It's the verses that come to head first. It's the idea and concept that comes to head first. Anytime I think of Gravediggers, I think Diary of a Madman. Mm. It's always first up. It's always first on my list. It's always something that I refer to when I think of them. Um, largely due to the incredible verses that are delivered, that really paint vivid pictures, that really draw you away, that are really, really controversial, regardless of how much you know, big public controversy might have went on. It was oh, still yeah. incredibly oh, controversial. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's the beat that most delivers the feeling of what I think a Gravedigger's record should feel like. It's the beat that gives me the, the eerie, the scary, the this isn't comfortable, the you might be in trouble here, the you might need protection sort of feel before the verse even begins. That makes me really want to think about, you know, all the different... Uh, fears and emotions that are running through your head and how is it that they did this and where is this coming from and what are these sounds 
and why do they make me feel this way? And why can't I just, you know, enjoy this from a different angle? Why does it have to strike such a, a, a fear? <clears throat> Excuse me, strike such a fear. And that's what really makes it and cements it for me as the number one record because it really encapsulates for me, at least how I receive it, the feeling, the idea of what it is to be the Grave Diggers. So it's definitely my number one. Yeah, I'm not mad at that. That would totally make sense. I think everybody in the hip hop universe who knows Grave Diggers would, would co sign that. Um, so my, my number one might be completely confusing, but this mm. is my list. So I'm going right. to do it the way I want to do it. Um, and I always go back to this track um, because I always felt like this track was a good representation of what the Grave Diggers should have been doing on their second album more of. There was definitely a darkness and a tongue-in-cheek approach to the first one, which I definitely, definitely, definitely love and and. And is missing in in our current landscape. Everything's so vibey, and, and we've got to create a scene that uh, it's okay to make people uncomfortable. Um, that's one of the things the first album did well. The second album was a misattempt, if we're going to be critical, of trying to take their content and bring it into more of a light. Hence why the cover was white, hence why the silver stuff turned into gold. Mm -hmm. And it was meant to be out of this darkness came this light, um, if you mm -hmm. look at it from that perspective. And the song for me that encapsulates that kind of thinking, which I feel they should have really built around of, that is uh, The Night the Earth Cried, is my number mm -hmm. one grave digger. Wow. Because wow. the RZA, mm -hmm. the first the track has this okay. awesome loop uh, piano um, break to it with some, the drums are definitely faded back a little bit. I'm sure it's a True Master track. I'm, sh I'm pretty sure it's a mm -hmm. True Master track. Um, yeah, sounds like it. And the, so the, just on the instrumental, it wasn't a Prince Paul produced level mm -hmm. type beat, but it was a beat that I felt was a nice evolution to what they were doing if they were going more concentrating on this light idea with a lot of sympathy in the beat. It, I just felt like this sadness in the beat. And it matched mm. the lyrics well because the song is one of the most important songs in the discography of Gravediggers because it's relevant now to where we are in our current climate. It really talks about mm -hmm. um, slavery the history of slavery, how we, how the world has really pillaged black gold, has really, mm -hmm. uh, really taken black and brown folks, uh, talent, skills, authenticity, and and mass produced it, killed, destroyed, uh, vilified, um, and and mm -hmm. really talks about it with such grace, honesty sadness and sorrow in a way that even the hook the chorus was at nighttime i hear the earth cry I hear the earth cry right how many black gods have to die before we realize there's no god in the sky the devil tricked us mm. that's the mm. worst lie what an mm. evolution from six feet deep 
yeah. to the second album. This was the evolution of Gravediggers. Obviously, the album didn't reach that, but that for me was a song that meant a lot to me because all of my people around I, you know, identify as a brown folk. Sir Loveday is a black folk. He's one of the people that I want to be around in this earth for a long time. He has uh, good things going on. I'm not saying that we don't want Zillow Rocker here. We do. Yeah, we, well, we, we do. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. But we all, we also, we also been uh, appropriated in a, in a way that just doesn't make uh, any sense. So that song, especially the RZA verse is, RZA could be, RZA's obnoxious sometimes, but in this yeah. one, um, <laughs> And this one, I think he just hit it perfectly where it's very listenable, not preachy, full of history, history, uh, history facts in there. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Fuquan and Tupor came in and supplemented it well. It was just a great track that made me sad, that made me uh, just really reflective and wanted me to really study more. Um, if I could be out there and do do the work that needs to be done. So my number one, The Night the Earth Cried off the second album, Grave Digger. Definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, that is our top three Grave Diggers. Uh, if you have a Spotify account, it's not going to, it costs you zero dimes. So you'll just go try out the Grave Diggers. If you have Apple Music, it costs you $10 a month to try out uh, Grave Diggers. Um, and if you like it, hey, hunt down a vinyl. Um, I think you enjoy it, especially if you can find that European one on Discog. It'll probably cost you like over $100. Um, definitely check that mm. out. Uh, Zilla Rocker, what projects do you have coming around the corner? What are some of the things that our listeners um should definitely check yeah. out. I know you should let, definitely listen. Anything Career Crooks, uh, anybody who listens mm-hmm. to the show already knows I'm on top of it. If you listen to the playlist, oh, yeah. you know I got stuff on there with Zilla Rocka. Uh, what are, what mm-hmm. projects are you working on? What projects are right around the corner for we could give you money, 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 money? Oh, good. <laughs> this is great. I just, That's right. I don't. Even, I won't even put anything out. You, I could just tell you my PayPal and just lace it. Yes, get, you know what I mean, any denomination. Um, so I have a it's been a busy year we, we dropped the Career Crooks remix record even as long as I'm breathing um, me and my partner Curly Castro we just dropped we dropped the EP called Griff Company and That's we right. just shot a, a video tonight um, the, my solo EP Hard Boil that came out in August that you linked to which was very nice and mm-hmm. then uh, and then we have a new record Future Former Rapper coming out November 9th <laughs> on POW Recordings so the singles, we have a couple singles out now, one featuring Arm and Hammer called Favors or Bad News. And uh, that's on Spotify and SoundCloud. And then we just dropped another one featuring um, Serengeti. Uh, it was a really awesome, nice. like, art house indie rap dude who puts out more records and, like, Cool Keith. He puts out a lot of music. Um, yeah. He's amazing. And uh, that just came out last week. It's called Enemy Stranger Friend. Um, and so uh, the busy, it's been a busy year, man. But, you know, busy I noticed... It's the more you keep giving people things they like, the more they keep rewarding you. So monetarily, it's great, but also it keeps me sharp and makes me happy to see, you know, it's not like I, I put this stuff out and it's crickets, you know what I mean? So some do better than others, but it's it's still like people are aware of what's going on. And for me, it's somebody like I'm sitting in my studio now. Um, mm. I've been making rap pretty much every day in some form since like 2005 on my own recording and mixing and mastering and all that stuff. So I have like vaulted stuff. I have new stuff, 
you know, some songs that have come out that people like are eight years old. They came out last week. Some songs <laughs> I write that day and recorded that day. No one knows. So the lost tapes. Uh, <laughs> my lost tapes, I, I will not qualify <laughs> them as that. They will be new tapes because they're new to everyone else. And I just put them out. So it's, uh, it's crazy, man. It's fun. And then I'll be getting it next year. I'll pro- I have a record um, called 96 Mentality. Um, that's finished of uh, Spencer's on there. Sonny Jim's on there. Uh, I forget who else is on there, but, um, that's, that's in the can. I'm just sitting on that one too. So that's more just like East coast, um, rhyme and having fun. Future former rappers, more of like a Danny Brown or Vince Staples type of record. It's like a lot of different styles blended together. So it's, it's my way to not just be one style of rapper because I've never been that, but that record I'm, I'm, ex- I'm really excited to get it out, you know, so I'm doing all the legwork now and just mm-hmm. shooting videos and talking to awesome guys like you guys and just kicking it, man. Promo. It's a uh, name of the game, you know, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a blast. Yeah, we I definitely appreciate this, your but. time. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get, we got to get that budget. Yo, buy them physicals for you can get a plus. Uh, well, we definitely appreciate your time, especially when we were a small time podcast. Just wanting to talk to people. You definitely, you guys definitely, zero, yo, a lot. You'd be surprised how many people are like, well, you don't have this and you don't have this many people. Zilla Rock, I was like, that. you want to talk about, let's do that. This is what I like. So we appreciate you always doing it. Uh, in a way for the community spirit I won't, I don't want to say for the culture because I think that's uh, it's just an easy way out for people to say things but I really mm-hmm. think it's just like when you love hip hop you want to talk to people about hip hop especially hip hop I love it and if you're new to the show thank you for checking it out if you don't know who Grave yes. Digger is that's what the show is about to highlight things that you might like you may not like them that's cool um, but it doesn't hurt to try new music hip hop is so big now has so many d- different genres there's something out there for everyone Zilla Rock is one of them and we definitely uh, recommend mm-hmm. the Grave Diggers but Zilla, mm-hmm. Zilla Rocka, um go back to our catalog because it's been a crazy since the summer since before the summer so level who do we got we had Crime Apple one of the best MCs right now Rome on the streets. show yeah, I was Rome, listening to that one yeah, we yep. have Rome they streets. do my dishes yeah, Rome Street, yeah, Rome humble, Love humble him. dude who just just like yeah, just, just call me, um, and you might see them on the Crushy Awards. That's, I'm not gonna say where. You need to, you need um, to the street pharmacy. Uh, that's that's tough. If you haven't yeah. listened to Daniel Sun, go go buy his vinyl now. Just dropped a few days ago. Right uh, Daniel mm-hmm. Sun, Future Way, Pressure Cooker. You can find him out. We had Riggs, Vince. Spencer, we got Jamal Gasol mm-hmm. coming up. We got uh, Raz Beats coming up. We got Bodega Band coming up. What? Mm-hmm. boys. Uh, so we're, we're doing it. So subscribe. Keep it, keep it locked right here. We only bring the best hip hop right now. Zilla Rocka out right now. Top three grave diggers. Next episode, hip hop review uh, crew. Chris Plates review. Subscribe. Mm-hmm. Retweet. Share or don't share or just criticize me in the DMs like you want to do. Shout out to our co uh, Kalina. Peace. We're out. Peace. Later.